0: Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, January the 20th. We've been taking a long hiatus with a lot of different complications, but we're back tonight and we want to talk about an important Bible sub- subject. We're going to talk about confession, and that's a concept that's used in at least two important ways in the New Testament and we'll be looking at both as we consider the subject of confession on the virtual Bible study tonight. We'll be ready to roll in just a minute. Be sure and get your Bibles open and join us for the virtual.
1: one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
0: And again, this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, January the twentieth. 2022. Actually, this is the first program in 2022, and we're surprised that that is the case because that was not our intention. But we've had some complications. Two weeks ago, we had a, a little bit of a snowstorm, and it doesn't take very much snow to mess us up in Middle Tennessee. Shuts
2: everything down. Yeah, shuts
0: everything down. And then last week, we had some. Uh, some I, I had actually uh, the, the, a case of the COVID, uh, and so. Uh, we canceled last week. This week, our good buddy Kyle Barnes has uh, a positive COVID test, and so he is laying out. So we're all in different spots tonight. Tonight, Jacob is over in Kyle's seat, running uh, the uh, the video control board. Jacob, welcome back to the virtual Bible study. Thank you. It's,
3: uh, a little bit different over here. I'm trying to figure this out.
0: Jacob is still Jacob is still working on the technical ends over there. And in the seat that I usually set in, Josh McCord is with us. Josh, thanks for joining tonight good to be here all right we we are so dependent upon kyle we, we he's been doing uh, our technical work for so long that uh, uh we, we've just sort of gotten used to having him uh and and not even asking any questions about how it's done so uh, we're a little bit handicapped tonight but we're going to get the job done jacob is is hard at work getting things organized over there on the video board our announced subject for two weeks ago was the subject of confession, uh, and we never got to do that. We were going to use it again last week. We never got to do that, and so for a, a third time's a charm, they say, Josh, and so tonight we're going to use the subject of confession. It's an important subject, but, but we have to uh, make sure we understand it. it's used in a couple of different ways. Right. Yeah, I agree. So confession is a subject that has to do with our initial obedience to the gospel. Uh, it, it, is, it is one of the things we do in order to be forgiven of past sins, to become a Christian, to have the hope of heaven. Confession is one of those things that we do, one of those things we're commanded to do. Then there's the entirely different subject of confession of sins. And I think sometimes people confuse the two and And Josh, you know sometimes when we talk about the steps in the plan of salvation, you must hear the truth, you must believe the truth, you must repent of your sins, you must confess your faith in Jesus, you must be baptized for the remission of sins I, Sometimes when we mention confession in that in that progress, I think some people have the idea that in order to become a christian you've got to confess all your past sins, and so here's a guy who's 70 years old and and he's learned the truth and he wants to become a christian but he's really scratching his head how will it ever be possible to confess all the sins that he's committed in his 70 year long life right.
2: uh, that's not what we're talking about yeah so the two two different types are getting confused but you know it's one of those things as you said that we talk about so often but but there's times where people are confused about well, what exactly does it mean when i'm initially obeying the gospel what kind of confession what is that all about yeah exactly right so to our update list two weeks
0: ago and again today we sent out the, the uh, some questions if you're not on our update list you can get on it so easily <coughs> excuse me by sending an email to questions at com, and just in the subject line say add me to your list and, and we will and we'll get these update questions out to you every Thursday midday so you can know what we're going to be talking about so our first question to our update list was this confession is used in two ways in the New Testament explain A confession as a condition of initial salvation and what things are necessary if this confession is to be true and effective and B, confession is a condition of pardon for a for one who is already a Christian but who subsequently sins. So we're we're going to talk about that. Let's start with the first one. Confession is a condition of our initial salvation. I I, I hope everybody agrees that. And I think Josh typically people do agree that. Yeah yeah you got to confess in order you got to confess Jesus you know even people who who would argue for salvation by faith only. Well, if faith only is faith only, then it's all it is. It's just faith. But it
2: usually asks, do you have to confess Jesus? They'll say yes. Right. <coughs> yeah, and with, with confession, there there's some prerequisites <coughs> to that, too. Before you can get to the point of true confession, you have to, you have, to have faith. You've got to believe. Uh, because what you're confessing, as, as you already said, what you're confessing is your faith in Christ. That's yeah. what you should be confessing when you become a Christian. Notice Romans 10, verses...
0: Excuse me, I'm getting all choked up already. Uh, I'm not contagious. I'm I'm way (laughs) past the the, uh, uh, quarantine period. Uh, It says uh, in Romans chapter 10, beginning verse 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved... For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice that last expression. Verse 9 says that if you confess, you shall be saved. And verse 10 says with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So confession
2: is something that leads to salvation. It's a prerequisite of our initial right. salvation. Right. You know, I like the uh, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8. Uh, in verse 36 as they went on their way they came into a certain water and the eunuch said see here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized and philip said if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest and he answered and said i believe that jesus christ is the son of god you know so he made the the good confession there just like any other confession that's made he, that's what he did he made the confession and then he was then he was baptized
0: and so that's a straightforward example. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we we ought to note probably, uh, somebody might try to quibble, that, that some of those uh, verses uh, have been added to the text. Right. Some argue that. Right. I, I don't argue that, but some would argue that, so we're aware of that. But it certainly is a, a perfect example of the kind of verbal confession that is necessary to lead to salvation. So <clears throat> I asked the question, what would be the things necessary if that confession is to be true and effective? Well one thing, it has to be public and audible. Uh, so you know it, this is not just something this is not just a thought process that goes on in my mind. This is something I actually need to verbalize. Again, Romans 10, verse nine, "If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and then verse 10 says with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Now, how many people do you have to confess before? I, I don't, you know, there, there's no number there. You don't have to be before a large crowd, uh although I think a true believer wouldn't hesitate to confess before even a large crowd. But as you pointed out, the Ethiopian eunuch confessed just to Philip. Right. Uh and that seemed absolutely satisfactory. Um but how is it just by definition, how is it a confession if nobody hears it? Somebody's got to hear me. Somebody, right. it, it has to be – in other words, I'm just not thinking this in my mind. I'm not just talking to myself. This is something that has to be spoken and yeah. heard by somebody else before yeah. it could even fit the description just of by a confession. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Jacob, are you up and running over there? Yeah, it looks good, I think. All right. You got any comment on this idea of confession?
3: No, not yet. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Okay, again, the, the really important text, I think, here is Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And this confession has to be based upon a genuine conviction that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God. Notice, again, Romans 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. You know, it would be possible, Josh, I think, to have a confession without conviction. Sure. So, so maybe, uh, uh, here's this boy and he's real crazy about this girl, but she goes to church all the time, you know, and she's a Christian and he'd really like to like her. He'd like, and he'd like her to like him back. And, and he's trying to do things that will impress her. So he's going to confess that he believes in Jesus. Uh, the fact of the matter is he's never even thought about it much. He he hasn't studied it. He doesn't really know what the Bible teaches about Jesus. But he sure wants to impress that girl. And so he confesses to her that he believes in Jesus. And the fact of the matter is he doesn't. So he can right. make a, conf- a confession without conviction. Well, that right. wouldn't do any good at all. Right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the confession has to have that true heartfelt conviction. Um, again, uh, th- there's a lot taught in the New Testament along this line. Uh, Notice the question that Jesus put to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning verse 13, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but whom say ye that I am? So this was the question that Jesus posed. And then Peter gave the answer. Peter said, uh, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so that was the answer to the question. That was the confession of his faith that Jesus was the Son of God. Excuse me. Peter was in a position to have observed the evidence that convinced him of that conclusion. That evidence is available to us, too. Not firsthand, but by virtue of Peter and the other eyewitnesses, we have that evidence, and we can make that same confession that Jesus is uh, the Son of the living God. Uh, In fact, uh, John said in John chapter 20, beginning verse 30, that the very reason why he, he had written... The things that he wrote, he said, John 20 verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. So again, that, that evidence, that testimony is there for us. Now, a third thing that I've got on my list as a necessary part of this confessing process. Again, this is confession unto our initial salvation. That confession is an acknowledgment that we're committing to Jesus as our Lord, that we're submitting to him. Notice, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans 10, verse 9 says. So that confession is more than just saying, I believe he is who he is. It's also a confession. He is who He is, and He should have authority over my life. Right. The confession itself is an acknowledgment of His lordship, yeah. and, and we have to we have to accept that. So, again, in in, in acknowledging uh, our faith in Him as our Savior, we're also admitting our obligation to Him as Lord and Master, which is important. Uh, th- therefore, the confession of Jesus also constitutes a promise. To serve him and obey him as Lord, right?
2: That's a lifetime commitment. Yeah, exactly. And so, so it's not just a one-time thing. I confessed. Um, I was thinking, Greg, in Matthew 10 verses 32 beginning, Jesus said whosoever therefore shall confess me before men him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And that's a, that's a present tense, ongoing kind of thing. You know, not just at one point in time I confess, but continue to confess it's a lifetime commitment yeah and so so confession is a it's it's a big deal i mean you're you're making a lifetime commitment to to state that you're going to live for god and 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 acknowledge that jesus is going to be lord of your life from now on yeah exactly right so and if it's true when
0: you make that initial confession then it's going to stay true right that's mm-hmm. not going to change right, right. and then again notice that this, this is a vital step in in our initial salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, verse 10. There are other steps that we take on the road to salvation. This this one uh, is not the only one, (coughs) but it's a necessary one. Notice Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 doesn't say anything about repentance. This mentions confession. So when we're looking for what we must do to be saved, we we put together all the parts of the puzzle. We put together all the things that are mentioned as unto salvation. Confession is one of them. It's not the only one, but this is a vital one. And and I would just stress again to our religious friends who who take the view of faith-only salvation. If it's faith-only, then you cannot require someone to confess. Cause once you add confession, then it's not faith only anymore. And you know, they, the, the people who, who want to stress faith only, they know, oh, wow, well, yeah, well, you guys want baptism. Baptism is a work. You know, they want to exclude bas- baptisms because they're okay with faith, confession, and repentance. They want to exclude baptism because they say it's a work. But I've tried to make the point and I've made it on the virtual Bible study before. Confession is actually a work too. If you think about it, when you voice the words "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God," you actually did work there you 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 forced air out of your lungs through your larynx over your lips and tongue out your mouth that actually expended some calories not many but but it it actually required a, an exertion of energy in order to say that's i guess by definition that's work right yeah so if you if you're willing to acknowledge that confession is necessary, then then you are you have given up your position on faith only. Yeah, well, and belief belief could be. Well, you Jesus know, a word said in too, John seven yeah. that that faith itself is a work. Yeah.
3: Jacob, any thoughts? Uh well, Dwight and Michelle said confession uh-huh. comes from the heart, uh, in the chat room. So appreciate that comment from yeah. Iowa tonight.
0: That's exactly right. Of course. Uh, uh, we we past time for a break, but I'm going I'm, to I want to look at uh, a couple of emails we got Kent sent in two weeks ago, on, and on this answer <coughs> he said the confession that must be made in order for a non-Christian to be saved is set forth in Romans ten nine and ten. Such must be a verbal confession that is an admission regarding the deity of Christ. Such also must be made prior to baptism Acts eight thirty seven. While there is no official formulation of words in this confession, for such to be scriptural, it is nonetheless essential to salvation. When we look at New Testament examples regarding such, we note a variation in the specific words that were stated. However, in these variations, all of those confessing Christ stated the same specific truth regarding his being, for such confession to be acceptable to God, such must be made upon the basis of genuine and sincere faith. And Dwight, in an email, said... Confession as an initial salvation needs to come with all the other items needed for salvation. If we're confessing Jesus to be the Son of God, we need to have heard the word, believed it, and repented of our sinful past, then followed by baptism after our confession. If we confess Jesus to be the Son of God and do not repent, our confession means nothing, same as our repentance means nothing if we're not willing to confess. I think that's a good observation. That's exactly right, Dwight. All right, we're going to need to move on quickly, but I hope that we've clarified what we mean when we talk about confession as an element of initial salvation. The the confession as an element of initial salvation is not confessing our sins. The confession that we're talking about in regards to initial salvation is a confession of our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and that really needs to be stressed. Thoughts or comments, either one of you? let's go to a break and when we get back we're going to have to move quickly to the idea of confessing our sins which is a totally different thing but still fits under that description of a confession we'll be right back after this break
1: don't touch that mouse the virtual bible study will be back right after this here's a quick thought the
4: lord is my strength and my shield in him my heart trusts and i am held my heart exalts And with song, I give thanks to him. Psalm 28, verse 7. What a wonderful thing to know where to place your trust. Let your heart exalt. Give God thanks and songs from your heart. Is the Lord your strength and shield? Seize the day.
0: Here's some quotes worth pondering. Everyone must realize this truth. There is important work to be done that will not be done unless you do it. One of the hardest things about business is minding your own. Rules for success don't work unless you do. Envy is the act of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. If you are patient in one moment of anger, you may escape a hundred days of sorrow. No matter how far you've gone on a wrong road, turn back. Man, wish I'd said that.
1: Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program.
0: And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about the Bible subject of confession. Uh, and and we've been talking about confessing Christ as a, an initial requirement of salvation. We're going to change gears completely, although it's the same exact word, Josh. We're going to talk about confession for the the person who is a Christian who has sinned. And so the second part of our first question to our update list was, explain this idea of confession as a condition of pardon for a Christian who sins and what things are necessary if this confession is to be true and effective. All right, so what what about this idea of a requirement for those who are already Christians uh, f- sort of for the idea of ongoing uh, pardon? In other words, I'm not going to be baptizing. I'm, I'm a Christian. But I sinned. I'm not going to be baptized again. But there is this statement in first John chapter one, verse eight and nine. If we notice the Apostle John includes himself, so he's talking about Christians, right? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth that is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, uh this this is a, a something for people who are already Christians who sin. And he says, if, which is a condition. In other words, this is absolutely necessary. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. James 5, verse 16, actually commands us to do so. James five sixteen again, the book of James written to Christians. He says, James five sixteen confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So clearly, prayer is a condition of pardon.
2: For Christians and, and uh, who sin, uh, what what do you got to add to that, Josh? Well, uh, kind of like with obeying initially the plan of salvation, there's there's more to it than, than than just confession. It sort of ties other things in together. And and we're talking about confession, but you know I added uh, more than just admitting our wrongdoing. We need to have sorrow over it. And I thought about Second Corinthians seven, uh, verse ten, beginning says, "Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death." And he goes on in verse eleven to talk about how that worked in them. And at the end, he said, "In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter." So confession is what you must do in order to receive that forgiveness. But kind of a prerequisite to that is having the right attitude. Right got to come heart from the it. heart, exactly. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorrowful about my wrongdoing.
0: You know, we've got a good example in Acts chapter eight of of a Christian who sinned, and what was he told to do. He he wasn't told, it, 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 it doesn't specifically mention confessing, but when Simon the sorcerer sinned, Peter said to him, uh, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. So when Simon the sorcerer was told to repent, and then pray to God, obviously the praying to God would be a, a confessing or an acknowledgement that he had sinned.
2: Right. Yeah, and it goes on to say there in, uh, in verse 24, he said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of those things which ye have spoken come upon me.
0: So when he said that, he was
2: confessing. He was, yeah, and pray, pray on my behalf
0: Yeah. so yeah. I get forgiveness exactly for that. That's right. All right. Um, Jay, wave your hand over there if you've got something to add That's in. Um, so um, for, I, I had a list of things here. I, I'll go through them real quick. Things that I think have to be true of this confession. As you said, it's got to come from the heart. It's got to be based upon a, a true Sorrow for sin, a repentance. I think it's got to be a personal. When we sin, we've got to be personal to acknowledge our sin. Uh, it's, it's real easy to say, "Well, we all sin. Everybody sins," or it's easy to say, "He sinned" or "They sinned." It's harder to say, "I have sinned." But this is the only thing that's going to lead to our personal. Forgiveness. Uh, I've I'm, I'm always been impressed by the example of King David, 2 Samuel 12. In verse 7, you're, we don't have time to go through the whole story. I think most of our listeners know the story when Nathan the prophet came to King David. And, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. You're the one I'm talking about, and you're the one who sinned. And David, who was the king, could have done anything he wanted. He could have executed Nathan on the spot. But instead, very humbly, David said to him, I have sinned against the Lord. That's the hard That's the hard thing. It's not hard to acknowledge that people sin. Everybody sins. We all sin. He sinned. They sinned. It is way harder to say, I have sinned, which is absolutely necessary. I also had on my list that the confession needs to be diff, uh, definite. Uh, how often have you heard people say, well, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. If I've done anything, you know what? You know what? I'm always tempted to say, "You go back and figure it out whether you have done anything wrong." And I then come talk to me if you figure right. out. Don't give me this "if I've done anything wrong," but that's not a, that's not a
2: definite confession.
0: Right. Uh, you know, uh,
2: you're not really convicted that you've done anything wrong, then you can't really yeah, confess appropriately. Yeah.
0: Uh, the the prodigal son said in Luke 15 verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight i 'm no more worthy to be called thy son. It wasn't well, daddy, if i've done anything wrong uh, please forgive me if i 've done anything no he he said right. uh, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight uh, so uh personal definite, I had on my list also it needs to be specific you know every once in a while you 'll hear someone say, maybe even in a worship service, someone comes forward and and I as I just want to confess sins in my life. Well, that's not specific enough. Everybody in the audience can do that. I mean, everybody sins. We, you know, uh, effective confession acknowledges the particular sin. Uh, in Psalm 51 verse 3, King David said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me nobody no one doubts that even today no one doubts all these thousands of years later i mean we're looking at about 3000 years ago when david said that he knew what he was talking about the people that read his words initially knew what he was talking about and we know what he was talking about he was talking about his sin with bathsheba uh so true confession says uh something like well i have lied or i have stolen or or i have been a gossip uh that's a lot harder to be specific like but that's that's the idea of real confession right uh it has to be honest the personal definite specific and honest uh you know in our in our courts uh, criminals like to plead down uh make a plea agreement you know they 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 want to lower the the, the Crime that they're charged with. So here's a guy who committed murder, but he'd like to plead guilty to manslaughter, not murder. So he wants to plead his case down. Uh, That doesn't work in God's court, and and so you can't confess hurting someone's feelings when the fact of the matter is what you did was you gossiped and slandered them. So hurting their feelings is not the same as gossip and slander. You got to you got to be honest and actually confess. What you've actually done, right? Uh, which is necessary. Uh, of course, the fact matters. God knows. Uh, he, uh, we might as well honestly confess. First John three verse twenty says, uh, "If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things." I think also that true confession needs to be addressed to the ones who've been sinned against. Uh, of course, all confession uh, must address God because all sins ultimately are against God. Uh, but we also need to address the people who we've sinned against. Jesus said in the Sermon on Mount, Matthew five twenty three Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. In other words, Jesus said, "If you you need to go deal with the one you send against, go directly to him and work that out." Uh, so, the, the, there's a principle here, you know. So, in, in that example that Jesus gave. There was one brother. I had, I sinned against one brother. I need to go talk to him. What if there were two brothers? Well, I need to go talk to both brothers. What if there were 20 brothers? Well, I need to talk to all 20 of them. What if there were 200? Or what if I don't even know how many know about my sins? There's a principle, I think a biblical principle, uh, that says we ought to confess to all who are wronged by my sin. And so if I'm a Christian in a local congregation, I go out in the community and set a horrible example. Let's, let's say I get re- arrested for public drunkenness. The whole town, knows, the whole community knows about my sin. I need to make an open public acknowledgement and confession that I sin. Now, I can't go to every single individual in the community, but I can make a public confession wherein anybody who wants to know will be able to learn that I have acknowledged my sin. And so it's yeah. pub- a public confession in that sense. So I think the principle, the biblical principle here is that you need to confess your sin
2: as widely as the sin is known and to all who know of the sin. Yeah. I was thinking as you were saying that Isaiah 59 <laughs> verses uh, 1 and 2, you know I mean you got to recognize that ultimately you've sinned against God and your sin has separated you from him. So when you confess, you know you you're recognizing the importance of that, not just, uh, you know, Greg found out about it, so I guess I better go and yeah. and confess and say I did wrong. No, I mean you have to realize you've, you've sinned against God and that's going to put your soul in danger.
0: Exactly right. And again, when we confess, we're acknowledging that we understand that it is a, a prerequisite necessity of being forgiven. Uh, again, 1 John 1 8, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us. Well, that's a conditional expression there, which clearly indicates that if we don't confess,
3: then he will forgive us. Right. Thoughts, Jacob? Well, I think, um... You started off with First John 1, 8 and 9, and um, we can learn about confession by what it's in opposition to there, and it's in opposition to denying that we have sin. So I think when we confess, we don't want to whitewash it or minimize our, our sin. We need to accept full responsibility, and we need to... Uh, uh, understand and express uh, the the gravity of what we've done, yeah. rather than you know trying to minimize it or you know get anywhere close to saying, well, I really don't have sin. Yeah, um, you, you realize how how bad it is and express that.
0: Yeah, you're not using the Kyle cam over there.
3: It's not working here. I have to figure that out.
0: Okay. <laughs> Alright. We're going to grab uh, uh, our bullet point break. When we come back, we'll look at our emailers on this idea of confessing sins. And then as the program winds down, we want to look at some sinners in the Bible who confessed. Some of them did a horrible job of confessing their sins. Others were effective, and we'll look at, at examples of both. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this break on the virtual Bible study.
1: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Moni, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the Virtual Bible Study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number any time. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon.
0: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. The American Institute for Church Growth conducted a survey of 10,000 men and women in various religious denominations. One of the questions asked was how many had married a mate from a different religious background. 62% of respondents reported marrying someone of a different faith. The survey then proceeded to ask that 62% about what happened later in their marriages. Here are the results. For women, 49% converted to their husband's religion. Only 8% converted their husband's. Of men, 25% converted to their wife's religion, 39% converted their wives there are many potential lessons from these statistics but one really stands out it is obvious that those who marry a spouse thinking that they can convert their mate later are usually wrong while women are more likely to change to their husband's religion it still happens less than half of the time we especially want to emphasize this point for our young people who are of dating age keep your eyes wide open If the person you're considering for marriage is not interested in learning the truth and committing to Christ while you are dating, the chances are very high that they will not do so after you are married. Be careful about imagining that your case will be different. The statistics simply don't lie. Few choices you will ever make can rank in importance with your choice of a wife or husband, and nothing can help to produce a successful marriage like a common faith in the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys.
0: And we're back on the virtual Bible study. I want to remind you that the virtual Bible study is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by going to our website, collegeview.com. Remember, College View, spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. And there's a lot of archives of of bulletins and sermons and so forth there. You can find out a lot of information about the College View Church at collegeview.com. We're talking tonight on the Virtual Bible Study about confession. And right now we're talking about the necessity of a Christian who sins... Confessing his sins in order to be forgiven, and so is a confession of sins is not for the the person who wants to initially be saved. The person who wants to initially be saved confesses his faith in Jesus, but for the Christian who subsequently sins after he's been saved, we must confess our sins in order to be again forgiven by God to remain in a right relationship with God. And we were just describing that. I got some emails, uh, Kent and. Calhoun, Georgia, says the New Testament does set forth the necessity of a Christian to make a confession of sins in order to be forgiven. First, John one, nine and ten. When others have knowledge of sins in the life of Christians, those guilty of such wrongs need to make a confession of sins and repentance to show to those who have such knowledge. uh, James five, verse 16. The term confession implies that of admission. When we admit something to another, such necessitates that others have previous knowledge of what we are admitting. This type of confession is essential so that others may be informed of the repentance of the one guilty of sin, enabling them to pray on behalf for them. This type of confession is effective based upon sincere repentance, Acts 8.22. Dwight in Iowa says... Confession for pardon is when we become a Christian. When we and then we fall short, that is when we sin. We're told in James five sixteen to confess our sins to one another. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us." And Mohan in Chicago answered this part of this question by saying, "Godly sorrow and plans to repent of the sin are necessary for confession of sin." I think that's right. And you were mentioning
2: that earlier, Josh, as well. All right. Anything to add? Well, there's a there's a comment in the chat room, Brian in California. Uh, he says, "Is confession and acknowledgment after the fact forgiveness is bestowed, provided repentance of the transgression has taken place already, or is the confession to the wrong person, church at large, a stipulation for the sin to no longer be condemning the guilty individual?" Okay, so I, sent,
0: I If I'm if I'm understanding Brian's question, I sin against you. Yeah. I have this change of heart, so I, you know, I, I repent. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I stole your car. Right. Uh, and, and, and so laying on the, in, on my bed in the middle of the night, I realized how wrong that was. And, and I'm really, I'm, 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 I've got godly sorrow. I'm really sorry that I did it. And I pray to God about that. Am I forgiven at that point or is it only when I come to you to confess what I've done and restore the car, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I would—I don't know that I've ever heard that question asked that way before. But to me, it seems that the confession of sin is a necessary prere- yeah. prerequisite, uh, you know, uh, if, First John 1 verse 8, if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. So if I haven't met that confession condition yet, I, I think I, I've, I've, got, I've got to get busy. And, and, and part of that would be, uh, part of that would be, uh, if that's not true, uh, I'd get around to admitting yep. this to you Sometime, so I see you driving my car. <laughs> uh, uh, but but if 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 I understand, this is urgent, yeah. and I need to get it done yeah. as quickly as possible. So I I, w- I would take the position that we're not going to get the forgiveness we seek until we've met the conditions of that. Yeah, I think so too. I think okay. so too.
3: Jacob, any thoughts? It's an interesting co- uh, question. I well, what if the person doesn't forgive you? Um, that's obviously that's not going to be stand between you and god so right.
2: um yeah you've done what you needed to do
3: right um that's an interesting question
2: yeah uh we, we can
0: we can dwell on that a little more maybe because uh, uh, that's a little bit unusual one but uh, uh appreciate brian's thoughtfulness on that question all right real quickly then we want to move to the last part of our question we uh, uh to our update list we gave some examples of sinners who confess some were true. Others were not. And I started out with Pharaoh. Uh, here, here's an example. Here's an example of confession. And you remember the, you, you remember the scenario, you remember the circumstances. Moses had come to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh was not inclined to do so. So the plagues, um, a, a series of 10 intense, horrible plagues were coming upon the Egyptians Exodus 9, verse 27. So this was after hail and fire had fallen from heaven. Uh, The hail smote throughout the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Huh. That sounds like a pretty good Said confession. Said the right thing. Sounds like a pretty good confession. But keep reading there in verse thirty-three. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread abroad his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart. He and his servants, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So. He said the right things, but you have to—you have to argue. It wasn't a true and effective confession because it—it (coughs) didn't—it. There was apparently no repentance that that served as the basis of that. His heart wasn't right. He immediately returned to do exactly what he was doing before. You know, this would be like me. Uh, I use my example again. I stole your car, so I come to you, uh, uh, Josh. I stole your car. I'm sorry. Here's your car. Tomorrow, I steal your car again. Yeah. And I do the same thing. And the next day, I, I I stole your car again. You begin to wonder at some point, have you is
2: there any repentance in your heart at all? Right. And there, there wasn't any in, in Pharaoh's heart. It's so interesting to me looking at this example that two people could say the exact same thing and one person have their heart in the right condition and it be effective for them and the other person, like Pharaoh, not have his heart in the right condition and it be totally ineffective even though he said maybe potentially the same words The effect was just different because of the condition of the heart. It's just, it's just interesting that the heart has to be right. Yeah. Jacob, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. And maybe just wanting the the problem to go away, um, not really being uh, sincere about it. And I think people probably make confessions just to try and get the problem to go away sometimes too.
0: Uh, I think that's a good point. You know, yeah. I'll say this because to get you off my back, but it's not, it's not from the heart. Kent says about Pharaoh, there's no indication that Pharaoh's confession of sin was based upon sincere repentance when we consider his subsequent actions. Uh, uh, Dwight says Moses, uh, says in verse 30 of that chapter that Pharaoh did not yet fear God. Without proper fear of God and, and who he is, confession is worthless. I think that's a good observation too quickly let let's let's grab one more uh, before our last break. I put in our list what about Balaam? Balaam in numbers 22 verse 34 you remember uh, that Balak uh, King Balak had come uh, to Balaam in order to get him to curse the Israelites. So Balak, sent for Balaam and Balaam was a known prophet and he wanted Balaam to uh, to pronounce a curse upon the Israelites who were approaching uh, his territory and in in numbers 22 verse 34 uh, Balaam said unto the angel uh, angel of the Lord I have sinned for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me now therefore if thou if If it displease thee, I will get me back again. So this was after he, he, he was going to go. And on the way, his donkey tried to stop him several times, several times, actually ultimately spoke to him. Right. And, and so Balaam was brought to make this confession. I have sinned. I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me after the donkey had balked, uh, uh, in the way. Uh, So here's a confession of sin on Balaam's part. But we know the story, and we won't have time to investigate it thoroughly, but it's even mentioned in the New Testament. Revelation 2, verse 14 talks about the sin of Balaam. Balaam apparently did all he could. He he was prevented from actually voicing a curse upon the children of Israel, but apparently he coached Balak and the Moabites into how to get the Israelites to sin so that God would curse them. And, And so... Although he he said he sinned, he he kept right on his course because he was greedy. He wanted what Balak was offering him as a reward. Right, Benson
2: lost his life for, for his actions several he, chapters he, over.
0: He was killed. That's right. He was killed when the Israelites finally came. Uh, got a note from Kent on this. Uh, while Balaam changed his mind about the offer that Balak made to him about cursing Israel, he obviously did not... It was not consistent in other actions following the will of God in that he was responsible for causing Israel to sin. He references Revelation 2, 12 through fifteen, Second Peter two verses twelve through fifteen, and Dwight says Balak's confession, or excuse me, Balaam's confession seemed to be just. He did as the angel told him, but but he doesn't. Dwight doesn't go on to the next part of that story, which he sort of reverted after right. he confessed. All right. Let's grab, a, let's grab our last break. When we get back, we want to talk about Achan, Saul, King Saul, Judas Iscariot, King David, and the prodigal son. Stick with us. We're going to the top of the hour on the virtual Bible study.
1: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement.
3: This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime.
0: We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. The number of homeschoolers doubled between 1999 and 2016. A survey conducted by the National Center for Education showed that 80% of parents were worried about the school environment as their children become prone to negative peer pressure. 36% of parents homeschool their kids to instill the right religious beliefs in them. That information is via admissionsly.com. The Word of God says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it.
1: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the
0: virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back going to the top of the hour on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about confession of sin in this part of our program. And and what we're actually looking at is some sinners who confessed. But their confessions weren't always great and effective. Uh, I had on my list here, and I sent this out to the update list. What about Achan? You remember the story of Achan when the children of Israel came to Jericho God gave them victory at Jericho, but specifically said, and this was unusual in, in typical battles, he said, take no spoil. Uh, usually when, when armies were victorious, that's what they did, but in this case, don't do it. Achan did, and he hid some, some contraband in his tent. And of course, God then began to bring consequences upon all the Israelites because of Achan's sin. And in Joshua chapter seven, verse twenty, when when Achan was found out, Achan answered Joshua and said, "Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done." Uh, And and then he went on to describe the things that he had taken. so in the case of Aiken, I would say uh, that when he was discovered, he confessed. Uh, I think he made a right confession. He ended up being punished for it anyway. I think his confession was accurate. But the one downside on the confession of Aiken that I would point out is he only confessed when he was found yeah, out. He had lots of opportunity. Yeah. He, he confessed when he was found out. And, you know. Sometimes sadly, we imitate that too. you know we we only confess when someone discovers what we have done now that doesn't mean that the confession couldn't be true and genuine and authentic, but we shouldn't wait till we're found out if we have a true and honest heart. yeah, we know we're doing wrong, we need to take care of it, yeah uh. Kent says while Aiken openly confessed, admitted his sin, the context of the passage indicates that confession of his sin was too late to save him from the consequences and punishment for his deed. Dwight says Aiken confessed his sin and spelled it out as what he did. Even with his confession, there were consequences to his action. That's a good point. Yeah. I think Dwight's point You true. Know, when we rep- repent and confess, which we m- must necessarily do if we want to be forgiven by God, that doesn't necessarily remove all the consequences of our sin. Jacket thoughts.
3: Right, um, he, he, and um, there will be consequences, whether or not uh, his uh, confession was uh, sincere or not. We, you know, we don't know about that, but uh, it didn't remove all the physical consequences for sure.
0: Yeah, and and that's just a reality of sin in our lives that we gotta we gotta be aware. Of. One of the reasons to try to avoid sinning in our lives is. You know, we can be forgiven. So I'm going to do this sin, and I I, I I can be forgiven later. Well, maybe. There's always this question about premeditated sinning. But even if I'm forgiven, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to bring great grief and heartache into my life yeah. afterwards.
3: And your family, his family died as a result of this as well.
0: That's exactly That's right. He brought He brought consequences on his whole family. Next example that I put out was Saul, King Saul. In First Samuel 15, there was the, the situation where King Saul was instructed to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites, bring back no spoil. Again, in this case, no spoil, no captives, no spoil. But when he came back, he came, they came back bringing spoils and bringing King Agag of the Amalekites. Uh, and so when Samuel went out to confront Saul about this, In 1 Samuel 15, verse 30, Saul said, I have sinned. Get me honor now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So I've always thought this was a sad situation. He admitted if, well, actually, if you look at the whole story, initially he denied he'd done anything wrong. Yeah. Then he tried to blame the people for the wrong that had been done. Yeah, he said
2: I'd sinned in verse 24, but it was the people's fault. Yeah. I feared the people. So he finally admitted
0: that he'd sinned, but he wants a cover-up. Uh, you know, basically, yeah, I, I, I've sinned, but uh, uh, turn with me now before the elders of my people, before Israel, that I may worship the Lord. Uh so, yeah yeah Samuel I have sinned, but kind of keep this on the down low here, man. I don't want all the people to realize what I've done and and so you know true confession is not an attempt to minimize
2: or cover up sin, which seems to be what Saul King Saul was doing there, yeah, to me, it seemed like too, after after God was rejecting him as king, then it was really kind of how he really wanted to apologize at that point you know because it was all those consequences coming to him and then it's kind of like yeah i need to i really need to take care of this now yeah yeah uh
0: kent says saul admitted and confessed his sin however such did not change the situation of him losing his reign over the kingdom uh and dwight says saul had finally realized that he truly did sin he also had consequences with his sin even though he confessed jacob thoughts on saul
3: uh, no, Samuel did go with them and do what he had said, but um, but yeah, it does seem like there is a cover up here, sort of or minimization.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move quickly. We're just about out of time. Let's let's go to Judas Iscariot, a famous sinner, and and you, we we, you, we all know the story of Judas and how, for thirty pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus well he had he, he he was sorry he'd done it later and he tried to go back to the people who had bribed him and to return the money and in <clears throat> Matthew 27 verse 3 Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Uh, So, you know, maybe Judas is scary. one of the most famous sinners of all. The King James Version there is a little bit, probably not... Helpful. The way it translates it says he repented himself. Uh, the New American Standard version says he felt remorse. There was no true repentance, uh, and, and 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 therefore his confession was not a confession that that, let, that indicated a true change. And he apparently didn't change, and he went out and hanged himself. So I would argue that Judas's confession there was not effective confession of sin. Uh, Kent says uh, he felt remorse. Uh, over his sin and confess such. However, having remorse over sin is worthless unless one genuinely repents of such, changes his mind. Second Corinthians 7, verse 10. The remorse that Peter had led him back to the fellowship of Christ. The remorse experienced by Judas led him to the sin of suicide. All
3: right. Jacob? Well, we know it wasn't an effective confession because in Mark 14, verse 21, uh, Jesus said... Uh, that um, it would be good for him, that man if he had not been born. So um, we know that the, the confession was not effective, uh, whatever kind of confession it was. Yeah,
0: I think you're exactly right. All right. So uh, there's five examples. Uh, let's see. Did I get Dwight to comment on? Oh, yeah. Dwight said Judas felt remorse. He had confessed that he had wronged. But then instead of facing the fact that he said he killed himself. So that's right. Uh, so Balaam, uh, Pharaoh, Balaam, Achan, Saul, King Saul, and Judas, bad examples. I wanted to end with a couple of examples of true and, and faithful, accurate, effective confession. And we already mentioned them earlier in the program. We can do this real fast. King David, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he said. He didn't try to, Nathan, I have sinned before the Lord. But man, if you knew the stress that I'm under, if you just knew all the things that are going on here as I'm trying to be king over these people, man, I'm telling you, yeah, I did it. I admit I did it. But man, you you would have done that and more if you were in my shoes. There's none of that. There's not just I have sinned before the Lord. Uh, that's a true and effective, uh, confession. And, and, and then of course tie that in with Psalm 51 verse 3, my sin is ever before me. He, 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 he really did confess uh, his wrong in that case. Uh, it, it, that even leads to the expression we find in Acts thirteen twenty two that David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, Kent says David sinned in both adultery and being complicit in the unjustified taking of human life. In 2 Samuel twelve thirteen. However, according to Psalm 51, 3 and 4, he openly confessed his sin and genuinely repented. Dwight said David's confession was honest. The Lord had taken away David's sin, yet David paid the great price of sin with his son's
3: life. Jacob, thoughts on David? Uh, lots of things we could look at. For, there were David. Um, you know, he. Uh, I, there's no question about his remorse. Um, there's no question about his accepting uh, of the um, sin that he had done, and, um, and a good example of someone who who fell hard but uh, confessed like we think he should.
0: Yeah, and then the last one we also mentioned earlier is in the the case of the prodigal son, Luke 15:21. You know, I've often thought the prodigal son. So he's coming back with sort of hat in hand. I mean, he's got nothing left, and he sees his father rushing out to him. And and, you know, he could have thought, "Yeah, hey, my dad. It looks like my dad's glad to see me coming. Maybe I can not have to go all the way through with my plan. Maybe I can maybe I can work this thing to my advantage." We'll just act like nothing ever happened. Yeah, we'll just (laughs) I'll just ease on back in there. But he didn't do that. Luke 15:21 the son said to the father I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son and so he he followed through uh, uh he didn't attempt to cover up or excuse his sin he just freely and openly admitted it uh Kent says the prodigal son grievously sinned against his father Luke 15 in verse 21 it indicates that he openly admitted his sin and the parable indicates he returned to his father and genuinely repented of his wrongs, and Dwight said the son here was sorry for his ways. He went so far as to be brought back as a hired slave, but he was welcomed back as a dear son. So I think King David and the prodigal son are two great examples of true and effective confession. Final thoughts, Jacob?
3: Yeah, he's willing to do it on his father's terms. You know, he was he threw himself at his father's mercy, and uh, I think our confession needs to do that as well. It's not on our terms; it's uh, on
2: God's terms. Exactly right. Gosh, thoughts? Yeah, I just think talking about confession is so important when we become a Christian. It's a part of it. And then as we're living a Christian life, we're going to have to confess our wrongdoings from time to time. Uh, and so it's good to look at good examples, how to, how we ought to do it in the right way.
0: Exactly right. All right. That's our program for tonight. Confession. Two kinds. And both are really important. And I hope we've been able to explain and, and sort of dive into all that's involved in initial confession for salvation. And subsequent confession for Christians who sin, and how that can, and, and what really makes for true and effective confession when we sin. We appreciate you all for being out there listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. We we uh, were looking at the possibility of having to miss for a third week tonight, but that that thankfully didn't happen. We missed two weeks, which is really unusual for us. Lord willing, we're back on track and we'll be able to continue our regular Thursday night Bible studies. Lord willing, we'll see you next thursday night same time same place for another episode of the virtual bible study as jacob often says jacob what do you say read and study your bible live by it every day you'll never regret it have i got that right all right all right thanks everybody look to see you next week lord willing